Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 368 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Not the best this week. I never usually say that. It's usually, yep, always good when speaking with you. But this time, not the best. I'm battling COVID-19. Uh, it's the second time I've had this now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's hit me kind of hard. Feeling a little bit better today. I think I'm on day three. So, I feel a little bit better. But yesterday and the day before, whew, I, I was just in bed all day. Uh, in the dark, it was it was horrible. But anyway, leaving the negativity behind, moving on to the review part of the show. The show must go on. We're going to start here at the Nasolowy in Poland. Over here, two fights to mention: Krzysztof Vladarczyk now 61 and four with a draw, a TKO in round six against Cesar Reynoso, who's now 17 and 18 with four draws. Uh, we also had Matthias Mastanek now 47 and five. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Jason Waterley, who loses his O. He's now 10-1. and one. The bookies had that fight really close, you know, but I think Masternek won quite handily over the 12 rounds. Um, moving out now to the Wembley Arena in Wembley, London, United Kingdom. I'm going to really uh, try and run through everything as quick as possible this week. Um, John Hedges with a win, now 7-0, and a points win over six rounds against Alice Maskovic, who loses his O. He's now 3-1, and one. John Hedges 7-0. and o. Uh, Johnny Fisher, a heavyweight I really like, 7-0 and o as well now. A first-round knockout against Dominic Muzil, who's now 7-5. and five. Um, I've, I've said it, I think, before, Johnny Fisher... I think he's got quite good feet for a big guy, you know, um, very big puncher as well. So he can kind of plant his feet and land big bombs. And then he can also, you know, move really well. He's not like a, a stationary target, I don't think. And I've heard behind the scenes he's got an excellent chin. And I think he's got a bright future. Still very young. Obviously, he looks a lot older than what he actually is. I think he's about 22 or something crazy like that. Um, elsewhere on the card, Katie Taylor now 22-0, unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds against the previously undefeated Karen Karabahau, who is now 19-1. She loses her row. That one was for the IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO lightweight world titles. Um, yeah, I expected Katie Taylor to win that one on points, um, and she did. Um... What else did we have? We had Ellie Scottney, another kind of predictable one for me. She was able to win unanimously over 10 two-minute rounds for the EBU European Super Bantamweight title against Mary Romero of Spain, who's now 8-3. Scottney now 6-0. and um, Good win for her. I think she's looked really good in particular in her last couple of fights. I think she's getting better. Um, obviously, training under 
under uh, Shane McGuigan. And also we had Gary Cully move to 15-0. and 0. He got in there with the undefeated Jowd Belmedi, who's now 16-1 and 1 with three draws. A lot of people losing their O's on this card, it would seem. But yeah, Gary Cully with a first-round knockout. I don't think anyone really expected that. Um, yeah, Gary Cully, as I said, certainly a really exciting prospect. He's about six foot two. He's a lightweight. You know, he's huge and he's, he, he can bang. And that's the thing. We don't often see fighters in boxing who are really, really tall for the weight but can also crack. That's not really something that we see hand in hand. Usually someone who's really tall is, is a boxer most of the time. They're not someone who stands and bang. Uh, stands and bangs and and can and can really crack. Usually they're not really big punchers. That's just the rule. But no, he 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 really can punch and he proved it once again here with another great knockout. And then yeah, we also had Jordan Gill losing again. He's now 27 and two with 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 a draw and a win for Kiko Martinez. Um, he's now 44 and 11 with two draws. It was for the EBU European featherweight title. Gill down twice in the third round and twice in the fourth round. In the end, Dave Caldwell threw the towel in. Um, just goes to show once again that you can never write off Kiko Martinez. Um, he was a 6-1 to one underdog at one point during the the early parts of when the, you know, when the fight first uh, could be bet on. But then... On the actual day, if you tried to bet on it on the day, it went right down to 2-1. to one. So a lot of people were backing Kiko Martinez um, with the bookies and stuff. So, um, yeah, great stuff for him once again. You just you just can never, ever write him off. And as for Jordan Gill, I mean, I think he's been exposed a few times now. He's been exposed even in fights he's won, I think. But to, 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 to get to the European title you know he's he's been a European champion I think that's a brilliant achievement in itself so I'm not hitting him too hard I don't want to kick him when he's down but yeah you know he lost and lost convincingly and obviously isn't at that level um, if you needed reminding Moving out now to the Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona, USA. This one was on Showtime pay-per-view. We're just going to touch on the main event. Jake Paul now 6-0. A unanimous decision against Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva down in the 8th and final round. Um, yeah, Anderson Silva now 3-2. Still obviously has a lot of his old moves. Um, when we talk about his old moves, I'm kind of referencing his time in the in the MMA world rather than boxing because I never saw much of his boxing fights. He hasn't had too many, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, Jake Paul won and won handily. And this was a fight really that the bookies were struggling to see who the favorite was. Um, I know that you watched it, Eddie. Again, we're going to keep it brief because we haven't got all the time in the world. But what did you make of Jake Paul's performance? And, you know, for me, he legitimizes himself again just a bit. I mean, each win at this point, you know, the better the competition and you get another win, it's going to make you look a little more, you know, qualified to be where you are as a fighter. But, you know, it's it's a 47-year-old man, you know. Uh, he still looked pretty good in spots, but he was just fighting his spurts, so it was hard to win rounds, um, you know, over the course of a, of a fight, especially when you're not favored, to be honest. It's, it's, it's Jake Paul's situation. So it's going to be kind of hard to win a decision in that kind of in that scenario. But um, I think he gave a good account of himself. He showed he was tough. He showed he still has some some of that spider, those spider like tendencies that he had before as an MMA fighter. Um, I was always a big I always was a big fan of his uh, MMA 
career, uh, Anderson Silva. But um, so it was kind of good to see him, you know, box and do well. But uh, yeah, he's just he's just a little too long in the tooth. He's only fighting in spurts. And Jake Paul definitely won the fight. Still see some. I don't want to call it cavemanish movements with Jake Paul because he still seems to be learning. But uh, you know, I, I still wouldn't want to put him in there with a re- like a high a higher level fighter. And I hear they're talking about trying to rank this dude, and it just shows you, man, boxing is crazy. But um, yeah, he's he's getting better, but I, I think he still has a long way to go. Uh, rest of his career is going to definitely be interesting, though. So looking forward to seeing what happens. And moving on to the Pechanga Arena in San Diego, California. This one was on the zone, of course. Um, on the undercard, Alexis Rocha, now 21 and 1. Um, a unanimous decision win for him over 10 rounds there against Jesus Campos, who's now 24 and 4. Uh, that one was for the WBO NABO welterweight title. Um, Elsewhere on the card, two guys that were both 15-0 and 0 put their O's on the line against each other, and it ended in a split decision over 10 rounds in favor of Hector Valdez, now 16-0. and 0. Um, So yeah, good win for him. And the main event, Joseph Jojo Diaz, now 32-3 and 3 with a draw. He lost unanimously over 12 rounds to William Zapeda, who's now 27-0. and 0. Diaz cut below the left eye in round four and cut... Um, on the right eye from a head clash in round six. Um, Zapita just outworked Diaz, really, from the get-go. Um, I've said it before, Diaz is too high up in weight. He's obviously got ability, but he's constantly fighting naturally bigger guys. And maybe, maybe, I want to say, doesn't train as hard as he should because he's made some poor choices in his career. We've seen him miss the weight plenty of times. That's why he's up at this weight here, up at lightweight. Really, the guy was a featherweight, wasn't he? So, um yeah, he finds himself at lightweight. Two losses in a row now. The last time uh, the last time out to Devin Haney. This one here to Zapeda, who solidifies himself once again as one of the best contenders out there at, uh, at 135. Um, but yeah, Zapeda deserved the win, deserved it wide. And a lot of people fancied Diaz to win and couldn't understand why Zapeda was the favourite. But he proves to those people why he was the deserving favourite. And yeah, I think he's a real threat to some of the top guys. People were talking about him getting in there with Javante Tank Davis. I like all those fights. I think he's he's um, earned his shot, really. And yeah, beating Jojo Diaz, I think, you know, is, is enough along with what along with the other things he's done uh, I think that's enough to to get a shot and there are still some other big fights that can be made at lightweight between the contenders for example people were talking about Zapeda getting in there with um Pitbull Cruz so we'll we'll see but anyway moving out now to the Madison Square Garden Theater in New York USA over here let's start with the undercard uh, Nico Ali Walsh now 7 and 0 unanimous decision over 6 rounds against Billy Wagner who's now Five and three. Uh, Richard Torres Jr. with another knockout. This time went into round three. I think that's the first time he's gone into round three, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he's 4-0. and TKO there against Ahmed Hefni. Elsewhere on the card, Rabisi Ramirez now 11-1. and A TKO in round nine of a scheduled 10 against Jose Romero, who's now 26-3. and And the main event, Vasyl Lomachenko now 17-2. and A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Jermaine Ortiz. Now 16-1 and with a draw. Um... I really liked Ortiz's attitude. You know, he didn't have any 
overwhelming respect for or overbearing respect for Lomachenko, you know, he didn't show him much respect, he fought aggressively, obviously the size was with Ortiz, he was a much bigger guy, um, Lomachenko I think was cut on his cheek in, in, in the second round, which we don't see um, very often, especially to see him marked up or cut that early in a fight, uh, Lomachenko did look a little bit rusty for me, um, of course, the fight clashed as well with Diaz and Zepeda, which which was kind of dividing my attention a little bit. But as the fight wore on, Lomachenko's experience, I think, shone through in the end. But at times, Lomachenko could not get into his rhythm. Um, officially on the cards, he won the fight 7-5, 9-3, and 8-4. I didn't actually score it because, again, it clashed with, um, I think, that, that Diaz-Zepeda fight. And also another card I, I was watching as well. Um, but I felt it was it was a close fight from what I saw. And maybe, I touched on it last week, Eddie, those trainers I mentioned, uh, maybe, maybe they did know a thing or two that I didn't know. Because I felt that, stylistically, it was a bad fight for Lomachenko. That's how it looked to me. And, and maybe um, Ortiz is maybe uh, one to keep an eye on for the future. He, he put in a good effort there against Lomachenko. What did you make of it, Eddie? Yeah, I agree 100%. I thought that Jermaine Ortiz showed really well. I thought he did as good as you could have asked somebody, uh, you know, fighting a guy like Lomachenko with so much experience, so much skill. Um, he really did prove that he belongs in the upper echelon in that division. Like you said, he had the size advantage, and I think he utilized it well at times. But, of course, Lomachenko is Lomachenko, and he's going to figure out a way, as we've seen over, you know, time and time again, for the most part. Um you know, he did look rusty. He did look like he had a little little issue in in, in different spots early and then in, in, into the middle rounds. He was like, you know, you could see, he, you know, rounds were close and he was just a step slower in certain, in certain points. But as the fight got closer to the end, he started picking it up. It was like he'd start finding his rhythm late. And, and it was kind of, if you think about the uh, Lopez fight that he had where he lost that one, it was kind of not necessarily exactly the same or marrying it so much it was just the pace of it kind of he waited it was kind of like hesitant early trying to find his footing early and then turn it on at the end it was you know you, you got that much time in between fights and you got other things on your mind and it, it makes it a little bit you know difficult to get you know solid into a fight especially early on when you're not as sharp but uh all in all great fight i love what ortiz did and he is one to watch in the future, and I'm, I still want to see what uh, Lomachenko could do as 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 he, you know, moves into the further in uh, in the latter part of his career too, and see if he can keep up this run that he's been on. I do just want to say before we move to the next card, I felt during the Torres and um, and um, Hefney fight, the Torres and Hefney fight, obviously uh, Richard Torres, the referee Arthur McCante. I thought was awful. He was absolutely awful. He was threatening to take points off of Hefney in the first round, which you don't often see. And also, like, I've never seen this happen before, and I don't know if you saw it, Eddie, you probably didn't, but what happened is Richard Torres was, was obviously coming forward, trying to get the knockout, you know, trying to put um, Hefney on the ropes. Hefney had his back on the ropes, and the referee was so close. This is before anything's even landed. It's not like he's about to stop it for any reason. Like, he hadn't even been knocked down at this point. The referee would stand to Hefney's... Like, he would be so close. He'd be blocking an exit route, really, or an exit route, if I'm talking American, um, for Hefney. 
So he would block him from from moving to one side. And then Torres would kind of obviously cut off the ring on the other side. And, and it's like he had nowhere to go. Like, the referee was assisting Richard Torres in pinning Hefney down. Time and time again. And was threatening to take points in the first round, like I said. And um, there was another time where the referee grabbed hold of Hefney while Torres hit him. Like, literally, made him defenceless for a second. And then, of course, he ended up taking a point in the end. I couldn't believe it. It was such a bad performance from Arthur McKenzie Jr., especially in the heavyweight division. He he put that man in so much danger. Um, so I just want to throw that in because that was disgraceful. And moving out now to this one, it took place on Sunday at the Premier Ballroom in Richmond Hill, Canada. Over here, Junlong Zhang, the undefeated Chinese heavyweight, was 19-0 with 18 KOs. He loses his O. He's now 19-1. He got in with a guy called German Montez, who's now 8-4. And basically, I believe there was a cut on Zhang, and he was stopped on cuts in round three. So um, he loses his O, and that's a, that's a bit of a shame, really. Um, moving out now to the final card to mention of the review part. This one took place on Tuesday, November 1st at the Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. It was on ESPN+, Plus. if anyone did tune in. Um, we had Jonathan Gonzalez on the undercard with a unanimous decision over 12 rounds for the WBO light flyweight world title against Shokichi Iwata. He loses his O. He's now 9-1. Gonzalez is now 27-3 with a draw. Um, Shichiro Yoshino now 16-0. A win there by KO in round 6 against Masayoshi Nakatani, who's now 20-3. That one for the WBO Asia-Pacific lightweight title. And uh, the main event, the the unification, um, Kenshiro Teraji now 20-1, and one, a TKO there in round 7 against Haroto Kayaguchi, who loses his O, he's now 16-1, and one. so Teraji now the unified champion, holds the WBA and WBC World Light Flyweight title, so great stuff there for him. Um, and also, I should mention as well on that card, Junto Nakatani as well, 24-0 now, unanimous decision there, over 10 rounds against Francisco Rodriguez Jr., now 36-6 and with a draw. Um, that's it though, for the review part of the show, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former light heavyweight world title challenger, it is of course, Mr. Craig Spider-Richards. Craig, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you as always. Always a pleasure, Craig. So we last spoke back in April. Um, at the time, you were just a few weeks out from your fight with Josh Buatzi. Me and you had spoken so many times about that fight before it was officially made. Obviously, then it was made. We yeah. did a short interview. And I don't think I've spoken to you on the phone since the loss. First things first, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Back in the gym, crafting, preparing for the next contest and living my best life. <laughs> and tell me, looking back now, Craig, what do you feel went wrong in that fight? Or maybe a better question might be, what could you have done better? I don't think anything went wrong. It was a close fight, opinionated sport, boxing, isn't it? Um, it was a good fight. Um, and it is what it is. Joshua is a, a tremendous fighter. We put it on the line and, yeah, it was good. He got, he got the nod on the night and, yeah, that's boxing. 
and my last question on Boatsy. Um, I was there um, from my seat, which wasn't necessarily ringside. You seemed to have a huge round eight. Boatsy looked in a world of trouble, uh, but you were the, the, the one who was actually in the ring and looking into his eyes. How close were you to, um, you know, dropping him or, I don't know, maybe even stopping him? He looked like he was in a lot of trouble from where I was sat. Yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah, obviously I hurt him round eight, but like he done well to um, do what he needed to do to see the round out, uh, recovered well, um, regrouped quite well. Um, but he showed a lot of heart, you know, showed a lot of character, showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of grit and determination, which we knew that's what Joshua's uh, about. That's his, uh, that's his thing. So, yeah, he done very well. Yeah, it was. I, I caught him with a shot on most people. I would have probably got out of there, but yeah, Josh done very well. And moving on to the next one, your comeback fight has been scheduled November 26th at the Wembley Arena on the Dillian White undercard. You'll be boxing Rickards Bolotniks. Now, I think this is pretty much the perfect comeback fight. I mean, you could have probably fought someone who nobody had heard of and just grabbed an easy win to see out the year. But Bolotniks, obviously well known for his fight with Boatsy just over a year ago, um, so, so not too long ago, still fresh in the minds of boxing fans. He took Boatsy further than any other opponent had done until Boatsy fought you. He took him to round 11. And perhaps more importantly, he does hold a couple good wins against your fellow domestic light heavyweights, Hosea Burton and Stephen Ward. Um, perfect kind of comeback fight here. Yeah, he won the golden contract. He walked for everyone, really. I think three of the fights, he knocked out two of them and dropped the other one twice, which um, could have got stopped. So we know he's capable, we know he carries power, we know he brings it, we know he's very ambitious. Um, I know he wanted this fight. Um, so obviously, you know me, I accepted and now we're here. So. And Craig, how do you see the fight playing out? Because as you know, Bolotniks can dig deep. Um, I feel like he can fight on the back foot and the front foot and likes to have a war. Yeah. You know, I'm all-rounder. I can adapt. As obviously you see in my last fight, I can trade, I can box. Um, I can do it all as well. I've got a good chin, I can bang. So, it is what it is. We'll just see how it plays out November 26th. And what kind of level do you want to jump in with after this fight? And I say this because... Dan Aziz seems to be getting better and better at domestic level, but then I know you might view that as a backward step, and that's totally understandable. Um, but tell me, what kind of level are you looking at after this one um, for, the, for the start of 2023? Uh, we look one step at a time. We'll deal with Ricard Bolotniks first and foremost before we start looking at any other opponents and what's next, because nothing will be next if I don't deal with him November 26th. Of course, everything's progress. We want to keep moving forward. Obviously, the main of the aim, I've done all the domestic titles, won the British title, done a lot of domestic clashes. Obviously, the aim always to get to that world title and fulfill my goals. So, any way to go to win that world title or work towards that is what I'm looking to do. And every December, Craig, on the podcast, we've got a rule. Anyone I interview in that month, I like to ask them what would be on their Christmas wish list in terms of their career for the following year. For, for, the, for the following year. So I'd ask you, in a realistic world, um, what would you want 2023 to bring you? We're not yet in December, but I think it's a good, valid so, question to ask. I don't, I don't technically have to ask it because we're not in December yet, right? <laughs> Answer it. <laughs> of course, I would love that world title. That's what I'm, that's my aim. Is 
So one way or another, get to that world title shot. This time, make sure it happens. It's, that, it's the belt I need to collect before I see my time out in the sport. Okay. And one of the kings of the light heavyweight division is in action this weekend. Your former foe, Dimitri Bivol, steps in with Gilberto Ramirez. There you go. Um, <laughs> Ramirez looks huge stood next to Bivol, um, Craig. So how do you see this fight playing out? And what did you make of that lovely uh, Spanish pronunciation you just heard from me? <laughs> uh, the Spanish not so good, but fight even better. <laughs> um, Ramirez is massive for the weight. I think he puts on, I don't know, 30 pounds or something. 205, I think he comes in or something. Um, so he's going to be mauling the big, big... Like, it'll be a big problem with the weight towards Bibble, but Bill's a good operator and can box tremendously. So I'm very interested to see how he deals with this. And your gym mate, John Ryder, we had him on the show last week. I can imagine you're probably slightly annoyed that you've both fight on the same night at different venues, but he gets in with Zach Parker... Um, how do you see that one going? And try not to be biased. It's a great fight, I think. It's a good fight. I don't know too, too much about Zach Parker. Yeah. I haven't watched him that many times. Uh, I think I've seen two or two fights of his, I think. Uh, I think Darrell Williams, I saw him fight. And I think I saw him fight someone else. Is it Morrison or something? Marcus Morrison. Yeah, I haven't, got, I haven't seen him. I've only seen him a small amount of time. So it's hard to have an opinion. So... I don't end up being biased because obviously I've seen John multiple millions of times. I literally just finished sparring with John as well today, actually. So I've seen John, uh, so it's kind of a biased opinion. Obviously, I'm not always rude for my stable mate. Yeah, no, fair enough. And lastly, it was being spoken about that Yard would fight Baturbiev. I think, for whatever reason, there's a delay. I think maybe Baturbiev's been injured. Um, if the fight does eventually happen, I think they're eyeing up a date for early next year. How much of a chance do you give Yard, Craig? I'll give him a chance, of course. He can punch. Um, he's explosive. And we've seen Batova has been hurt before, but obviously he's, obviously Batova is going to go in there as a massive favourite, but I would not write yard off. Yeah, let's hope he can do it. Let's hope he can do it. Let's get behind him. And just finally, Craig, of if you've got... Say again? So of course I'll be rooting for him. Yeah, for sure. And, and just finally, before we let you go, Craig, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners, um, say whatever you like, my man. Um, just want to say thank everyone for always supporting me and supporting my career. Obviously, thank obviously with my sponsors, Lewis, the art, etc., Melty, the lot, um, and basically get down November 26th to Wembley Arena if you can. Hit me up for tickets. Cheers. Hit him up for tickets. Hit him up for tickets. There we go. Listen, Craig, as you know, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thanks for your time, and we'll speak again after the fight. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Usually the news, but unfortunately no news to mention. Uh, if anything does develop from now to the end of the show, I will mention it on the outro. So moving straight on then to the preview part, we're going to start here with a card that takes place later tonight at the Quiet Cannon Country Club in California, USA. It's going to be on USA UFC Fight Pass. Um, over here we have Sergei Bohachuk. Um, 20 and 1 as a pro. He's the guy that got to, I think it was 18 and 0 with 18 KOs. Then he got knocked out when he got in with Brandon Adams. Since then, 
He's come back with two knockout wins. So he's 20 and 0, sorry, 20 and 1 with 20 KOs. He gets in with Aaron Coley, who's 16 and 4 with a draw. It's over 10 rounds for the vacant WBC Continental America's Super Welterweight title. Uh, moving out now to a really weird one. Takes place tomorrow, Friday, November the 4th, at the Superdome Arena in Tanzania. And on the undercard, heavyweight big baby Jarrell Miller. 25 and 0 with a draw gets in with Awad Tamim, who's 15 and 5. I, I just don't understand how Jarrell Miller has found himself in Tanzania of all places. I mean, that really is random. And the guy he gets in with, this Awad uh, Tamim, um, been a pro since 2003. So been a pro for, what's that, um, 19 years, 38 years of age, only had 20 fights. Got knocked out by Bogdan Dinu in one round. Uh, got knocked out in three rounds by Timur Ibragamov. I mean, we're really going back now. Got knocked out by Denis Baktov as well in three rounds. Um, anyway, all the best to Tamim, who's a six-foot-tall heavyweight. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, what else do we have? Moving out now. This one takes place on the Saturday. This one takes place at the Rudolf Weber Arena in Oberhausen, Germany. Over here we have Zan Kosobutsky. Someone's, I think, going to sleep in this fight here. Zan Kosobutsky, 18-0, 17 KOs. He gets in with Hussein Mohammed, 17-0 with 14 KOs. So 35-0 combined records with 31 KOs. Somebody, I think, will be going to sleep. It's obviously a heavyweight for the WBC International Title on the undercard, Jose Lardu as well, 8-0, gets in with Ali Kidin, who's 16-1, and that's for the WBC International Silver Heavyweight title. Moving out now to the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi, over here, this one is going to be on zone. I'm going to try and run through this as quick as possible. On the undercard, Campbell Hatton, 8-0, no opponent just yet for him. Former world champion, friend of the show, Cal Yafai. 26 and 1 in a 10 rounder against Gerald Paklar, who's 16 and 5 with three draws. We have Galau Yafai, 2 and 0, uh, fighting here, defending his WBC international flyweight title against Gohan Garcia, who's 12 and 1 with a draw. I feel like I've seen that name before, actually, Gohan Garcia. Let me double check where I've seen that one. Um, definitely feel like he fought someone recently. No, seems like I've totally made it up. Um, okay, elsewhere on the card, um, uh, Chantel Cameron, friend of the show, 16-0, gets in with Jessica McCaskill, friend of the show, 12-2, and um, this one could really steal the show, I think it probably does go the distance, I think Chantel Cameron should win the fight, um, McCaskill's a, a real dog though, of course, as well, um, Chantel puts her IBF and WBC super lightweight titles on the line, but also they've got the vacant IBO, WBA, and WBO super lightweight titles on the line, so the winner becomes undisputed. Jessica McCaskill, of course, moving down to 140 from 147, where she's the undisputed champion there. Um, if Chantel Cameron wins, I think there's a chance Chantel could move to 147 for the rematch to see if she can become undisputed there. So it's a great fight, but of course I have to pull for Chantel Cameron. Um, probably my favourite female, in fact my favourite female fighter by far. I don't even know why I hesitated there. Fabulous fighter, love watching her fight. Um, 
Elsewhere, we have Shaq Kanzon Rakamov, 16-0, fighting uh, with a draw, 16-0 with a draw to Jojo Garcia, by the way. Um, he fights here for the vacant IBF World Super Featherweight title, which, of course, was taken away from Joe Cordina when he got stripped for having a hand injury. Um, in steps Zelfa Barrett, 28-1. He's massively up against it. Um, if you don't know Rakamov, you know, if you're a casual fan, you might not understand why, but Rakamov can really, really fight. Um, I hope Zelfa Barrett can pull it off, obviously. Lost his his um, lost his brother, of course, who, who got murdered um, years ago, and a lot of people really kind of um, supported him since then, and then recently lost his mother as well, so hasn't had um, any good luck outside of the ring. Um, yeah, so I hope that he can... He can turn it round and um, obviously, you know, do something amazing for himself, for his family and for Manchester. And uh, the main event, Dimitri Bivol, 20 and 0. The first time he's fought here since beating Canelo. Uh, he defends his WBA Super World Light Heavyweight title against the undefeated 44 and 0, Gilberto Ramirez, who I think probably has the longest undefeated streak right now in boxing certainly at the top level at least that's a fact um eddie give it to me quick we're running out of time of course but bivol um excellent boxer shown it to us time and time again but the size is with ramirez ramirez looks huge and he hasn't yet put on his infamous 29 pounds overnight yet <laughs> <laughs> well uh this is is interesting honestly i haven't seen a ton of stuff from him, but like you said, he is a big guy, and I think Bivol is going to be in a slightly different situation than he was with Canelo, obviously, being that uh, he's going to be outsized in, uh, in in this fight. So his skills are going to have to really shine through. This guy's got obviously a, a winning winning uh, heritage. He's been doing it for the like you said, he probably has the longest streak in boxing right now, uh, and we're going to have to see if Bivol's I don't want to say, dare I say awkward uh, boxing style is going to work in this, in this fight situation here. Um, I think, I think he has the ability. I think he, you know, he's, he's obviously, uh, you know, in a, in that position for a reason. He's beacon out for a reason. So I expect that he's going to do good things in this fight. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he does. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. Um, Bivol's the massive favorite, which I think, the odds are a bit wrong on that. I don't think he's uh, uh, that big of a favorite as what they're making him. I think you've got to put about $60 down to win uh, to win $10 on top. So he's a massive favorite. But moving on to the final card to mention, it takes place at the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA over here. It's going to be on Showtime. A um, few former champions on the card. We've got Julian J. Rock Williams, 27-3 and with a draw, getting in with Rolando Mancia who's 18 and 11 with a draw. Um, Julian J. Rock Williams coming off two back-to-back -back defeats, of course, to um, Jason Rosario and then the unexpected one to Vladimir Hernandez, which was 13 months ago now. So, ooh, you know, it's a tough one for him. Um, haven't seen the opponent fight just yet, but I think Williams seems like he's really almost at the end of his career. We also have Andre Durrell, 28 and 3, getting in with Unieski Gonzalez, 21 and 4. Gonzalez, last time out, was seen getting in with Gilberto Ramirez, uh, by the way. 
we have Jason Rosario, the banana, 23 and 3 with a draw, getting in with Brian Mendoza, who's 20 and 2. That's over that's over 10 rounds there at middleweight. And the main event, David Morrell, 7 and 0, defending his WBA World Super Middleweight title over 12 rounds against Idos Yabossi Nuli whose name I've probably completely butchered, but he's 16-0, and 0, and I've got to be honest, haven't seen a second of him fight. So I'm going to hold my hands up and apologize in advance because I've got no idea how good he is. But what that means is that we're going to get through this part of the show much quicker. So anyway, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. We had our, our special guest, Craig Spider-Richards, really good friend of mine. And then in part two, we did no news because there was nothing there. And then we wrapped up just there with the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 368 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout out to this week's special guest, the former light heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Craig Richards. The biggest thanks of all though goes out to you, the listeners. That's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.